This is David McCall, host of the QTS Experience Podcast. For just a moment, I want you to imagine you've been devastated by a catastrophic weather event. If you've experienced or survived something like this in your lifetime, you know how hard it is to be made whole and the impact on your entire community. Obviously, restoring humans to physical and emotional health is goal one, but part of that is restoring our homes, our lives. My guest this week is Elizabeth Homicky. Her mission is leveraging IoT, machine learning, AI, and other technology to come alongside and help us to restore ourselves and our communities quicker. She's currently the CIO of a fintech startup and has executive leadership roles in banking, big data, privacy, and others. You're really going to enjoy this conversation, and Elizabeth in particular, one of my favorite human beings. Please join me for the conversation on the next QTS Experience. The most valuable commodity on earth today is data, how we make it, use it, move it, and protect it. My name's David McCall. Join me today for the QTS Experience. Hello, Dave. How are you doing? It's great to be here again for the third time. I'm in your presence. It's amazing. I'm for sure keeping that at the intro. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you. Um, we got a lot to talk about, and because the universe is trying to disrupt us, we don't have that much time this time. Welcome to the show. I want to I want to dive right in. This is your third time on the show. I want to tease out this crazy thing. When we the very first time we had a podcast, we recorded together. Not when we published was like March end of February, beginning of March of 2020. Yeah. And when we spoke earlier this summer, we were talking about a completely different thing. We didn't get to dive into this topic, which was, um, which I'm fascinated with. You were with a dip, different organization, but still executive leader, your CIO now of One Inc. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But as an executive leader, and and the, whether it's some people are having to deal with a geopolitical situation right now in the world. All of us, to one degree or the other, still dealing with a pandemic issue. But in March of 2020, it was probably like me, don't come in. Oh, by the way, I still have constituents, shareholders, um, employees, whatever, that I've got to deliver a product or service to. And we need to either metaphorically pick up and move it or, or literally physically pick up and move it. With, that, that had to have been easy with you and your superpowers. What was that like when you first were contemplating that with your team? What was that experience like? I, I think we had um, people who were excited about it, who were very comfortable working from home and remote, and then the other people like myself. I thought I was going to hate it. Yeah. Um, I love that physical interaction with people. I like people stopping by. I have an open-door policy. I, I always used to say I, I lead by walking around. Right. Well, you can't walk around in your pajama bottoms in your living room. You can, but and, not twice. Yeah. I've learned that yeah. the hard way. Right. You can't. I mean, there's nobody to talk to right. except the, the cat, the dog, and the right. spouse maybe. Um, so it was a really, really big transition. And I think um, it will be years before we really see what the deep impact is to people's psyches, to yeah. their mental health, um, to how they learn how to relate to other people, how do they resolve conflicts. Just so many things that we've spent so much time teaching people how to do better. Yeah. And I almost, I feel, I worry that it's, it kind of all got a little bit unraveled over the last, you know, couple, couple years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, um, it was challenging. I mean, I think one of our biggest initial challenges was the equipment, you know, there's the physical part of everybody just scattering 
you know, like the lights turn on and everybody, you know, everybody right. scatters. Um, but then there's also just how do we maintain that connectedness? Um, my previous company mm -hmm. was not a camera on culture, mm. but the company that I'm at now, One Inc., it is everybody's camera on all the time, no matter what. Right. We want to see your face. We right. want to see your eye rolls and your shoulder shrugs and your, you know, all of your body language. And and I think that that helps a little bit sort of stay connected to how people are feeling yeah. by physically how are they reacting to to conversations. And, you know, we don't care. We always joke about, you know, I don't even make a bun. My hair's in a bun. What you I know, say? exactly. You yeah. know, I haven't had a shower. It's yeah. it's always funny too. I would I would tease people and uh, that aren't used to camera on. I go, Well, we we we're a camera on culture, so I need yeah. to I want to see your face. It, yeah. it makes me happy. Um, and they're really uncomfortable. Some people are really uncomfortable with that, but yeah. but I do think that was a that's something that helps. Isn't us it curious? Stay we're com comfortable, and we I've dealt with the same phenomenon before the pandemic. In our industry, we deal with some of the largest buyers on earth, mm -hmm. and there's this one particular person that we work with regularly. I can't say their name, mm -hmm. the name of the company, but just imagine one of the five largest on earth, <clears throat> and this woman pro, she was so comfortable. When I describe what's going on, she was always professional. She might be on her treadmill talking, and she's got the phone there in a conference call because this, she was based out of Texas, is based out of Texas. This company isn't, but or she is. She's world-class at what she does. She may be in walk time. She may be in the back patio while she's talking to do – she's feeding some – like, look, I'm going through life while I'm doing my world-class job and truly world-class. And I remember chuckling about that. It's probably a couple of years before the pandemic when um, I had one meeting. I was just sort of invited to this particular meeting. It was not normally my group. When the pandemic hit, so many of our folks were uncomfortable with the idea of camera always on. Now it is a cultural thing of ours because one of the things we are – um, we're hybrid. We're mostly back in the office most of the time. We have a few unique situations where that's not true. But we're just not sure how we maintain and grow culture and sometimes establish culture where it's 100% remote for everybody in all circumstances. We're pretty open-minded. We try to figure out how to do it going on. But the, it's this interesting phenomenon to me about well, you're, when you walk in the door, your camera's on, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Why isn't it on here? And um, I've heard a variety of reasons, you know, my my I get to put on a persona when I come and my, the space behind me may not accommodate it or I may have noise or whatever. This is the new world. And if you're going to be at home and we're going to connect like this, we need to connect like this. I hear that so often now from executives after two, two and a half years of working through these challenges. Yeah. Well, think about, think about the, the persona just at work. You don't really get a sense of their children, their pets, their life, right. what they're doing when they're doing it, because they're just here and it's just them. They're an individual. Right. And I think one of the greatest assets as you try to get to know your teams, your customers, suppliers, is that when they are home and the camera's on, mm -hmm. you'll see the dog jump up on them. Or uh, the greatest one ever was the the guy in the very beginning whose whose little little girl yeah. came in and the wife crawled in and grabbed her by right. the <laughs> and pulled yeah. her out. I mean that. And then um, uh, Stephanie Rule, they caught her on film and her son had fallen asleep with his head in her lap, and right. it just 
it reminds us that we're human yeah. and we're connected in such a more profound way than we are w- just showing up with that work persona. Yeah. Um, and I love that yeah. about about people being able to see, you know, what's on their shelves as long yeah. as it's not a fake background. Right. Um, you know, what who comes in, the children that interrupt them, the you right. know, the spouse yelling, you know, what do you right. want for dinner, you right. know, in the background. I mean, I got shushed pretty hard by my my uh significant other the other day because I started doing dishes and he's like and I'm like and then he's joking with the guy on the camera with him because that guy's kid just walked in and started making a big racket but I mean I always love when someone else comes into the room because I want to stop and say I'd like to meet your wife or your son or you know pull your dog up into your lap because it just it I think it helps with humanity and with the pandemic for the last couple of years and just all of the crises that are going on in the world, yeah. we need every possible reminder that we are human right. and we're connected in a way that you yeah. know, nothing else can be. Yeah. I, as much as we can help other human beings flourish, we should help other human we beings should. flourish, right? And it's um, uh, one of the things that we got when people are together and now we're regularly together here is you get that drive-by meeting you get we did a um we did a um and a volunteer event here at the office we had a lot of fun uh but i overheard a conversation where uh i didn't i didn't insert myself into it but i heard one of my long-term friends and co-workers here ask another person hey how you doing oh i'm doing okay and after a few minutes they said no how are you doing and they stepped off to go have some other conversation because it was something was um something wasn't matching and I don't know what it was but the body language or whatever we miss those things if you if you don't have some ability to establish that in person remotely whatever it is you've got to have that connection or we miss it and then it we just all falls apart yeah well, I've I've actually found it recently probably in the last couple of months doing virtual drive-bys <clears throat> like I just need someone mm-hmm. you know like I'll reach out to our head of HR, our head of marketing, and and go, do you have five minutes? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm just, I'm feeling something, you know, yucky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, or something's not going well, or I have a perception of something, and, or I just need to spill my cup. Right. Um, and, and I always, you know, and sometimes I'll do it in an email, and I'll go, sorry to vent. Right. And then I get back an email that says, do not apologize. Right. I'm here for you. Right. And so I've started kind of, instead of doing it in writing, right. I'm like, do you just have a minute? And we pop the cameras on. It's just, sometimes it's just comforting to just see another person yeah. when you're trying to have that kind of water cooler chat. Yeah. Um, and then oftentimes the other person is experiencing something very similar. Right. And so we sort of commiserate yeah. for a few minutes together. And then, you know, we don't really solve anything, but we feel better. Yeah. We feel better. It's, it's that replacement for that water cooler. Yeah, um, but you're likable and you're great. Um, in my case, because I'm the talker in my company, all of a sudden everybody's cameras go dark. Busy, we don't have time for you. <laughs> they've been uh, they've been drive by too many times. But it, I do no. In all seriousness, I we've got to find a way. Whatever it is, um, in whatever way we stay connected. Like I love the, some of the things that have opened up by remote. Um, connection. And we'll talk in a second about winners and losers. It's not all been great. There have been winners and losers, both in firms and people within firms and whatever. But um, I want to I want to explore all the ways that we can um, 
as we work together, remain connected, it's, it's easy to, um, it is easier. One of the things that is not great about social media, I love technology. I love social media and the great things. But when I can categorize somebody as not a somebody, they're a team or they're a, they're a thing, they're a number, it's a category. Um, it's really easy for me to demonize or denigrate or, or, or as bad, just, you know, uh, not apply worth or value. And so if I'm making executive decisions for the firm, maybe I'm just, they're not valuable. I don't keep them or whatever the changes are. It's easy or than if this is the person that has gone to battle with me that we're working through together. And Oh, by the way, I know the circumstances of their life and their situation, their ups and downs, we can do it together. We're as long as we can keep using technology to make those connections and not, um, enhance the disconnection because it's our tendency. We, we, if we're not careful, we just kind of go to easier. We leave the camera off. We do these other things and that's a slippery slope to all kinds of problems. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've spent a good bit of time coaching my leadership team on is assuming good intentions. Yeah. Um, it's easy when you send someone an email or you hit them on teams mm -hmm. and you don't get that immediate gratification back to yeah. think, well, they're not good at their job. They're right. not being responsive. Therefore, I'm not a priority. This isn't a priority. Right. And so I routinely will say, you have to assume good intentions. Right. They're not ignoring you. They're not inept. Right. They have a whole host of responsibilities and priorities that you can't even see because you're not sitting next to them and seeing how busy they are and how stressed out they are and what are they working on. Mm -hmm. It's They're almost um, not invisible, but there's a there's a shroud right. that prevents you from sort of seeing what what it's like to walk in their shoes. Right. And I think that's one of the downsides of not sitting right next to a group of people or being able to walk over and peek into someone's office or look over their shoulder and and you know and do that sort of drive-by interruption. Right. Where they go, "Oh my god, I'm so stressed out. I can't, you know, because nobody does that." Right. You know, you don't send somebody an email and they write back and they go, "I am drowning." Right. I cannot talk to you for two weeks. Right. I've got these things and so and so's breathing down my neck. You know, right. people don't respond that way. Right. But when it's in person, right. they do the big sigh <clears throat> and the eye roll and you know, okay, ooh. Or right. They, or they give you the death stare. Or they don't even look yeah. up. Like yeah. they're like, what? You know, they don't even know who it is. They've yeah. they I've got thirty seven things. Yep. I've got my back to the door because I'm on my third screen. Yeah. I was so excited when I got two or three screens. <laughs> I'm like, look at this. Yeah. No, it just means I got all that more. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah, we need to talk to the hand emoji <laughs> that you can just send to somebody yeah. when, mm. when you're super busy and you just you, you don't even have a 30 seconds to write a response. Right. It's so. um, well, we'll keep working through it. Yeah. I do think, though, that I I, I um, we talked before we came on air about this idea of w we're grateful that we are in industries that while it had some spectacular challenges, we we work in a field and in the type of business that had a um, a path forward through remote connection, remote work. It lent itself to that. We didn't own a service-based business, a restaurant, a hair salon, some of these other things that were so devastated. And so we rolled um, that way. But not all of the community groups in those things experienced um, – the pandemic in the same way. And I'd heard you say, which intrigued me, 
we haven't had a chance to talk about it, that um, that in some cases, or maybe all cases, I don't know, women or um, executives in certain circumstances, some of the gains that they had been making over the last decade or more mm-hmm. in corporate America, maybe they weren't making them or even lost ground. What did you mean by that? Or how do you think about that? Well, I, I think it was obvious when the pandemic first started and kids were at home. Mm -hmm. It is just, it's not universal, so I'm not making a 100% broad brush statement, but Mm -hmm. there were some statistics that said for every one hour of home work Mm -hmm. that a male partner may do, Mm -hmm. six hours of home work is done by the woman. Mm. And you know, it's society, it's how we were raised, it's it's woven into our culture, it's very foundational to the fabric of mm-hmm. relationships. And then mm-hmm. you've got a lot, you know, and significantly more single parents are women. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that burden of, and I don't want to say burden, um, but it would, I wouldn't have loved having uh, to homeschool my kids. I think I right. would have, oh, somebody would have right. been, been in the hospital, but, <laughs> but a, a lot of that fell to, um, to the, to the, to the woman right. in the, in the household. Um, just because that's just the way right. it is. It's Still. just facts. It's We're just not making facts. a judgment. Not, We're yeah, just talking right. about data. This is the, this data. the data. Women right. that worked at home, right. it, regardless of role, a remote connection, yep. the data said, this is the yeah. ancillary things that were attached to what I did. Mm-hmm. And the men, there are outliers for sure. This is the an- yep. ancillary data yep. that says this was their yeah. um, burden. And as a dad of three uh, college age and growing um, daughters, yep. this is important information for me mm-hmm. because how can we react? One of two things. One, I don't want to, I want to know what the facts are for my employees and my constituents. Right. And yep. two, what do I need to adjust? I don't know that I can adjust all of society, right. but I can adjust yeah. my world, my expectations, mm-hmm. um, workflow. And I don't think it is, well, then let's have more men. That's pretty right. stupid. Yeah. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. But we, how can, you, how can you navigate, you know, sailors navigate off of um, fixed point of references mm-hmm. and actual physical truth, the North Star or whatever it is, depending upon what they are. You have to have that truth or you're navigating in vain. There's no way for us to navigate whether we like the truths or not if we don't have these factual truths in front of us. Yeah, well, I I agree. And, you know, it's, you know, two parent families, one parent, grandparents being there, whatever, whatever the situation is, you Mm -hmm. know, you got two dads, two moms, they're, they're just, I think one of the the pandemic sort of exacerbated that in in probably a large number of households. I know that I had a number of women on my team when this started mm-hmm. that were really, I mean, they were burning the midnight oil because they were doing homework during the day and then having to catch up on their work at night. And right. so there were some equalizers, <clears throat> though. It, um, I think it also made it very obvious and clear to whoever was in the household mm-hmm. um, that there needed to be more sharing of that of those kinds of responsibilities. So mm-hmm. so that may have been a greater awareness, mm-hmm. um, hopefully leading to a better family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that one of the one of the things when we we're all in the office, and this again is this there was a study, I can't quote who it was, but I remember reading about it and this was kind of one of the gains that when when 
parents are in the office and you have to invariably leave to go get a sick kid from school or take them to a doctor's appointment again proportionally mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. based on the data mm-hmm. largely falls on the women mm-hmm. and you know the reaction is well you need to make sure you get your work done right um although i observed and i actually am guilty of it myself and mm-hmm. i really try to catch this now is when a dad says hey can i leave early i'm coaching my kid's soccer team or i need to take somebody to the doctor everybody goes oh right Look at you. Look at you. You go. Right. Wow, what a right. great dad. Um, and so when everybody was at home and those responsibilities became more shared mm-hmm. and also a bit obfuscated mm-hmm. because you didn't ha- you just you just ducked out for those couple hours to go do what you needed to do or to right. go, you know, work on something with with a with a child or it could be a parent. You could right. go do something, take a parent to a, right. an appointment. All of a sudden that was it, it more split and also mm-hmm. a little bit more obfuscated so the you know there's the old most horrible stereotype that you know someone gets pregnant or has a child and it's like well they're off the fast track right um and so now that was a little bit more hidden so there were some leveling of the playing field a bit when right. everybody was remote yeah um so i think that that was a little bit helpful um but I, but women overall, based on the data, um, we've lost, we've lost, we've definitely lost some ground. How do you inform your organization to where? I look, I'm an optimist, yeah. but I'm also I, I would think I'm an optimist realist. Mm-hmm. Human beings, we we have certain tendencies. We do a lot of them are deep seated in culture, mm-hmm. and I love a lot of the things of our culture. But there are um, there are things that need to be uh, adjusted, if not changed. The thing that we did that worked great uh, 25 years ago because if we didn't do them this way, we starved to death or we die or whatever it was. Let's let's look at it again. I just had um, uh, Matteo Jean-Pietro Belli, this really amazing, just the name is amazing. (laughs) He's a system and civic engineer. Um, He's based in New York now. He's very Italian, worked on the Hyperloop for years, and now he's helping the um, Oceanics build um, floating cities in South Korea. He's this really cool dude. What I love about him and people like him is while he's very, as you would want your engineer, logic-driven, fact-based, you wouldn't want to get on a bridge built by somebody who's building it out of emotion. I want the math to work and all those other things. But has the courage to say the system that worked for... 2000 years, let's bring it back into the light. Does that still work? Is that still the best way to do it? It is, then it is. It isn't, or it needs to be nuanced. How do we do it? Without rancor, without guilt of the past, just looking forward, not always easy to do, easy to say, always not always easy to do. If you're in an executive position, by the way, our conversation wasn't going to be primarily about this, but I love this conversation. <laughs> How do you help inform the org where you can bring the data, but you have to, I feel like many times when I'm trying to capture people's imagination, I can't just show up and throw down a spreadsheet because either I'm the, you know, the evangelist or the obnoxious or whatever. I want to capture their attention. I want them to understand why this matters. And what, if anything, we as an organization, one, be aware of it and two, react to it in a way that we have a healthy, dynamic organization. Most organizations don't do well if you don't have a diversity of thought, you have to, what you have to have in common is we share a common goal. We have a work ethic. We have these other things. 
but I need a whole that with that as the um, common denominator. No sports teams gonna win if they don't have a common goal. But I need all of these different perspectives. So we don't want to um, we don't want to uh, make it more difficult for people that now we know have these other things in this new reality. How do you capture the imagination of your organization to bring them one this reality and two? How do we think about it differently so that we can um, we can address it? That's easy. Oh yeah, of course. Um, well, it's it definitely starts with the data, uh-huh. it, the proof. Um, so, for example, I I said this to my CEO at my former company that companies with women on the board are more profitable. Drop the mic; it's a fact. Yeah, the data's there. Can I tell you um, another fun mm-hmm. fact that you just reminded yeah. me of? Tom Cruise's most profitable movies are the movies he runs the most in. Not lying. Guy on my podcast told me that. Like, are you kidding me? True story. So, and I've heard this. I, w- I challenged a number of women um, executives. I was speaking in San Francisco. This was not a good idea on my part. I didn't recognize it at the time. That's why I should always travel with my wife because she would keep me out of big trouble. And the panel was th- sort of this, which was, if you have blended teams, in most cases, there are ex- exceptions, but we're talking about the 80%, probably more like the 98%, it should be a blend. And my argument was, or my question to them at my table, these are all CTOs and a few CIOs at this conference. If you've got 20 candidates and the first 16 happen to be men, why would you get the 17th? And they said, well, in order to be a candidate, you have to meet the minimum qualifications. And what we have found is the most value I'm going to get in production, because that's what I'm trying to get, is not an SAT score. I'm trying to get production. I'm trying to get a esprit de corps. I'm trying to get an experience and an output that looks like this. If it's all women in most cases or all men in most cases, then um, I get less production than if I have a blend. And I have to, it's my job as a leader, they have to meet the minimum requirements. But once they do, I have free reign to manipulate the team so I can get the most value for them and for me. I think that's what you're going to say when we say women are on the board. Oh, well, for sure. Well, they also have, you know, they we they call us the softer sex. Mm. Um, I don't know that I would agree with that because I'm, I'm pretty heavy handed at times. But, yeah. but I think we also see the world through a a lens that's different, mm-hmm. um, that maternalistic, um, people first, not that men aren't people first, right. but, but it's a little different perspective. There are and, biological differences. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, there's data and research that shows that <clears throat> when you have diverse teams, you get more creativity and more innovation. Mm-hmm. You, you may lose a little bit in shared cultural, um, background, mm-hmm. um, I, we've been doing a lot of studies um, because we've got a team in India, teams in the U.S., and we have a team in Mexico, mm-hmm. and the cultures are very different. Mm-hmm. And so how do you get the most out of the blended culture by bringing awareness to, for example, um, one of the uh, one that's so subtle, but it's it comes up all the time, is principle first versus application first. Mm. There are some cultures where you, and, and this is the example from the book that I think is fascinating. Which book? It's called The Culture Map. Okay. Um, And the example they give for this principle first versus application first is in some cultures, they teach the principle, the theory. 
And so instead of having you memorize the formula for how to calculate the circumference or the radius or, or the area of a circle, they spend a lot of time on the origins of pi. Hmm. And then they spend the last, you know, 10 minutes saying, okay, here's the formula. Whereas in U.S. schools, we all remember, we memorized the formulas right. and then we did 10,000 problems <laughs> using that formula. Right. I, I mean, I know the first six digits of pi, but I couldn't begin to tell you the origins and the right. theory behind and where it, who invented, I, I have right. no idea. Right. But there are other cultures that really put a premium on theory right. and the principles, not necessarily the application of that particular, you know, learning. Mm -hmm. um, and so getting when you, and then that becomes really important when you're interviewing to hire. Mm. So if you've got someone who's principal first, who is asking questions about theory and what books have you read to, to a culture that is application first, it's memorize and practice, practice, practice. Mm -hmm. You, you find that you, you have a huge disconnect. So does, does the book imply that the value is in the blending of those cultures or that one culture is uh, more valuable no. or more applicable? No, uh, both ends of the spectrum are equally valuable. And But the point is, is you have to be aware mm -hmm. of that, that element so that you can guard against the like me syndrome, right? Where you want people who are like you, and I think in, you know, young companies, mm -hmm. and I and I mean young and like in age, right? Um, not necessarily how long you've been on, you know, been a right. company, but this the age of the right. of the of the teams. I think you fall a little bit more into the like me because you you just ha haven't you know been around the block as many times as like yeah. you and I have, where we've seen the the problems and the benefits of. Um, you know, teams that are very one-sided versus more blended. Reminds me of just before, I be, we were married 12 years before we had children. And I remember all the advice I gave to parents and how many times my wife and I talked about, well, if we become parents, there's no way. Can you believe that? And then you get handed these little cherubs mm -hmm. and they're amazing and terrifying. Um, you really do question the sanity of medical professionals that they just hand you this baby and let you walk out the door. Like, mm -hmm. I can't balance my checkbook and you're sending me home with this thing? Yeah. You do have to a do a lot idea. more to get your driver's license. It's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> but um, but then, you know, two years in, these little cherubs start saying no or whatever. And then it, now it's just full on chaos. Mm -hmm. um, and so now as a parent of almost 24 years, I am way more cautious with advice and what little advice I do is really boiled down and distilled to just a few big things and a lot of time on your knees in prayer and just hoping they got good grandparents <laughs> and people around them yeah. because it is, it just tempers you and you know, in spite of their parents, some kids have turned out amazing. And in spite of their parents, some kids have just not turned out because we're our own little machines and we process the world different. But we wouldn't know it, you know, that certainty that we're righteous and right until you, you know, when we're young, we're just convinced of it. We've just got to go through that crucible. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And having three girls, that's that's baptism by fire. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm the oldest of five, and uh, anyway, and my wife's one of eight, mm -hmm. and um, uh, it's conversations for another day, but it's, uh, you know, and it's this time, you know, with technology inter in intervening or, or 
uh, I don't want to say interfering, but injecting itself into culture in a way there was no playbook for this, probably like in the Industrial Revolution and, um, you know, different every couple decades, there's a major societal change of, wait, you want to date someone that's different color or a different religion, you know, that's been in our history. You want to, you want to leave the farm and go into it, like whatever we've, we've faced these before. Um, and they're disruptive every single time. Um, but technology was at least that impactful, if not in some ways, even more impactful. So it's, uh, it's been entertaining, but I want to, I want to, if we've got a few minutes left, I want to pivot to something that, um, I would love to talk about. So with all of this going on with people, you're now in an industry in your new organization that is trying to innovate and change insurance. Yes. To, to, I, I'm probably an oversimplification, fintech insurance. Mm -hmm. And I just think you're a glutton for punishment because... <laughs> Out of, seem, out of banking and into the you insurance You seem way fire. smarter than this. Yeah. To come out of U.S. Bank and all of that challenge, what could be more challenging and more resistant to innovation than this? Well, I, I'm going to be honest. It's a green field. Um, and that's I think that's one of the things that makes it so exciting is there's so much opportunity to make a huge impact in the insurance industry. I would say they're, you know, they're probably a little some most are a little bit behind banking, yeah. but they're getting there. And I, I can tell you from the calls we've had with customers, they're really trying to get there quickly. But just trying to move from checks to digital currencies, yeah. that's that's one of our that's our biggest focus is how do we help accelerate getting the money that people need to take care of the car, the house, the storm, the damage, how do we make that faster? And yeah. so the the innovators in this space, which I absolutely consider us to right. be one of them, yeah. is trying to shorten that cycle time from something terrible happened, I have insurance, I need money, and how do I get it in my wallet, my digital wallet, mm -hmm. my not necessarily a physical wallet, but my right. digital? How do I get that right. access to that those assets as quickly as possible? And that's that's a huge focus for us. Um, and it is it's a big paradigm shift because mailing out paper checks. I mean, we still. I mean, you probably I probably get three checks a year, mm. and that I think two of them are from my insurance company. Right. You know, I get a little kickback when I yeah. don't have any accidents. That's right. a paper check. Right. Um, um, and I think that's that's a, one of the things that it's so exciting about our so about what we're doing. What's the tech like? How do you do this? I just watched yeah. this documentary the other day that was absolutely terrifying, and it was in 2011 when the tornadoes um, came through the the, the ma monster that came through Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and it just is. Uh, there's no place for adjusters to come into the mm -mm. field. It's you have to you'd have to stay in Atlanta or maybe down in Montgomery or Mobile or Nashville and come in and and there's really no place to go. And yet the citizens are all over because they're they're rescuing people, they're there, you know, emergency services or whatever. When when you talk about this technology and innovation, what are some of the things whether it's your firm or others um besides the speed to delivery, how are they doing that? I think um, one of the things that we've we've really been able to make great strides with is getting our vendors, so it might be a collision center, could be a doctor's office, mm. um, could be you know anybody that's you know home improvements, roofers, right. whatever, <clears throat> to accept virtual credit cards. So virtual cards you can get 
you can get it attached to an email, you can get it attached to a text message, mm. um, anything that you can get money into people's hands so that they can, you know, deposit it immediately. It's immediately available. You know, a check takes 10 days in the mail, and then there's sometimes a hold depending on how much it is. Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to manage inventory. Um, I don't know if you know this, but um, a collision center can't release the car to the consumer until they've been paid by the insurance company. I didn't know that. So yeah, they, they keep the car. And hmm. so they need that. I mean, everybody wants that, that check to get there faster. Right. So if we have the ability to give them digital, you know, a digital payment, um, we can a deliver it immediately. Mm -hmm. They can spend it immediately. Um, it's like you get a, a, you know, a gift card, you can, you can spend it, you know, right. that day. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for it to clear. It's available, you know, almost real time. And how are they, I guess, backing up from that before it's time to pay whoever, do you, are, are you, are you giving tech to the, um, the people in the field? So they're using the camera on their smartphone so that they're, or and whether it's you or just the industry, like how are they collecting the data? The way I've only had a few claims in my lifetime, they're pretty significant, but it was, I called my insurance company. Mm -hmm. And I get routed to somebody, and then and and um, I'm not going to name the company. I almost did, but they did a great job. I have yeah. zero issue. I've been with them for a very long time. Clark Howard keeps telling me to shop them and check them, but I, I genuinely have been treated so well by them. So maybe I'm the outlier. But anyway, I had to go through this process. Then they had to call me back, or somebody had to call me back, and then I had to wait for somebody to show up. And then that somebody took a bunch of notes. Mm -hmm. Then had to compare that with kind of like buying a house. Right. What are the rates in that area? What are these things like? There's a long manual process. And when it all finally happened, then it got authorized to do something. Then I had to go get quotes, blah, blah, blah. All these things were very analog. So when you imagine this now in that process, am I just taking my phone and my video or how, how yeah. is this working in the world today? Well, I think that's part of the, I, it's not really a supply chain, but but the string of innovators in the space. And mm -hmm. I, the pandemic helped accelerate because we couldn't do in person. Right. Um, and so there was a big shift to taking pictures with your phone. Um, there's a company that we're partnering with that is building sort of menus of, of predefined services so mm. that the adjusters don't necessarily have to spend as much time. It's much more repeatable, it's digitized. They go and they select all of the pieces and parts of the damage or, or whatever the situation is, and then it, uh, you know, it feeds real-time APIs into systems that say approved, not approved, and then it comes to us, mm -hmm. and we go, how do you want your payment made? We, you want it immediately, we'll give you a virtual card, you got the money in your hand. Do you really instantly. ask people if they want it immediately? That would be hilarious yeah. if somebody says, no, could you just actually, string it out? Actually, we do. We really? Do. Yeah, yeah. When we have, when we have, um, we have customers that are heavy, heavy check users. Right. We have a service that contacts their vendors and says, hey, we notice you're getting a lot of checks. Right. Um, would you like to get that in a different way? So it's, you know, you can have it right now. Right. And so we can, we will convert. Um, we've convert, that's, that's a huge part of changing the mindset. Yeah. You know, if, if, if nobody disrupts what you do, you just keep doing it because this is the way you've always said it. I, right. you know, this happened. I wait for the check to come in the mail. I deposit the check. I'm, I'm right. good to go. But if somebody called you and say, Hey, would you like that money right now? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. I, yeah. I would like it right now. You, what you reminded me of, I, my wife's going to hate me for this, but my wife is a coupon person. I am the anti-coupon person. Like I don't have time for, I don't even like coupon people in front of me. 
when she got taught, she can put the coupons on her phone. Mm -hmm. And in fact, many times the people at the register will say, if you just hit this barcode here, it's going to import the coupons. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have to walk around with a flyer. So we don't have to chop down more trees and it's going to apply to your thing. Pretty sure she was looking to see if our Lord and Savior was descending from the clouds. That was a happy day for her. So she's still a coupon master, but I don't care because it's all on her device yep. and it's no big deal. And I've even been known to use a coupon or two if she bugs me and texts me. And all I have to do is hold it up to them at the mm -hmm. hobby expo right. thing or whatever it is. And I get, especially when it's like 700% off. Why couldn't you just mark the sheets at $12 instead of 7000 but it's 12 with a coupon? But I think it's that same thing, which is it's digitized now. Mm -hmm. It's easy yeah. um, for everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, one of the coolest things is how how more popular QR codes have become. Oh, yeah. Not just for restaurants, menus, and things, but now, I mean, when was the last time you, you had to log into the hotel TV? Yeah. And you used your QR code, yeah. your phone, and yeah. it auto-logged you in. Yeah. I mean, how beautiful is that? I I love it. I was I wasn't a fan of it until I got addicted to the show called Ted Lasso. Have you ever seen Ted Lasso? Sweet All Mother of it. Pearl. I <laughs> love that show. Never saw it coming. And we were traveling one time, and that was the thing in the hotel was you want to use your Apple. I will never share my information. Just hit this QR code, we'll log you right in. <gasps> Converted. I'm in. Done. Love it. Yep. Um, so um tech I, what's the like i know how consumers would feel towards this anything that feels like one i get my payment quicker mm -hmm. how does the industry feel because one of the risks in my two hours of research about the insurance industry is fraud mm -hmm. um uh this you know look i've got storm damage and a human being would come to your house and evaluate it as opposed to maybe a picture i got from somebody else's house or whatever it is and they're not thinking about yeah but now you've got a claim on your account and that could affect your you know all these other things going forward they're just trying to do that and i'm not trying to say let's talk about all the possibilities of fraud but the industry i've got to believe is weighing these things about look when we introduce technology on the one hand it can speed these things up but how do we mitigate risk do, do you find it's hard to convince the industry of change or are they all in with yes let's do this faster and better well i think it's the use of technology helps insurance carriers close the loop on the claim okay um think about if if you're mailing a check to someone you may or may not know whether that check was cashed did they receive it did mm. somebody steal it out of the mailbox and in a digital payment situation that's much quicker, we have a way to say they received it, they've, um, you know, made a paint, you know, they've run right. it through their, you know, their machine to say we're going to capture this and it's going to go in the bank account. And right. that there's a close, there's a, a better closed loop, a right. faster loop to know that it was received and it was redeemed. Right. And I think that's that's one. Of, and also insurance carriers, in order to close a claim, they need to have that payment accepted by that consumer or that um, collision center, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and they've, they've got to have redeemed it. Mm -hmm. And so checks get lost in the, you know, mm -hmm. checks in the mail. Yeah. How many times have we heard that? Yeah. Um, and they get lost. And, yeah. uh, and also if you're dealing with, um, you know, property 
you know, catastrophic property damage, there's no mailbox. Yeah. So how do you even do that? So we have to, in order to help those that need it and need it now, we've got to shift to digital forms of payment faster, you know, payments, you know, real-time payments that ACH, but quicker, because you know, yeah. even ACH can take days, yeah. depending if it's... What's ACH? Um, it's it's the automated clearinghouse. Okay. So it's just like debit card. It's right. a transaction that goes straight into your bank account, but okay. it goes through um, the clearinghouse. And so if... And they're closed on the weekends and holidays. So Those if you... People. if you I know. If you do it on Friday and Monday's a holiday, it, right. and it takes you know one to two days to clear, it right. might be Wednesday, Thursday, the next week. So you've been without the money that you need for, for almost a week. Right. Um, you know, whereas virtual cards, you can use them as soon as you as soon as it shows up in your on your phone. Um, you can download it to your wallet. Mm. And um, one of the most interesting things is what people value in an emergency. Mm. I, this is a I was out on the lake, mm-hmm. and a boat caught fire. I mean, it was like full. Was this engine. this last year? No, it wasn't oh, okay. last year. This okay. was a couple years ago. But this was this is the uh, the example of yeah. of how valuable people's cell phones are to them. <laughs> so this family, the the father, the husband is right. trying to put the fire. He's asking us to throw our extinguisher. We're screaming right. at him to get off the boat because right. we're thinking the whole thing's going to blow up. Right. This huge boat comes by and he's yelling at him to get off the boat. Right. So we we sort of get as close as we can. Right. They're so concerned with getting their phones that one of them falls in the water. Phones, of course, get soaked. The only thing they wanted from the boat, not wallets, not purses, right. nothing. It was the phones. They saved the phones. That's a whole indictment yeah. of anyway. But but, but yeah. when you think about it, though, if if I mean, I remember my parents um, power in their house went out for days and days in the winter. Right. And they use the car battery to keep their phones charged. Because that was their connection to everything sure. and access to, you know, I mean, you you have a phone, you have access to your bank account, right? And so if you can get a payment and store it to your wallet <clears throat> on your phone, or you can, you know, uh, take advantage of that right. real time. I mean, that's how we're that's where it's going. Right. It's how do we get it all the way to the consumer on their phone? Because if your house was destroyed by a tornado, there's a good chance you ran out of the house with sure. that phone in your hand. I don't disagree. And I, you know, as you're talking about these things, I love the potential. Um, I think it's amazing. I am always, though, also uh, asking myself, so am I compromising security? Am I putting my privacy at risk? Like what, um, regardless of how we process the claim, it seems like this is a perfect industry for data. Like if you go back to the original, Um, you know, I don't know if the original, but certainly the, in the things that I read, the late 13, mid 13, late 1300s, so middle to the end of the 14th century, when sort of as we think of insurance now really begins, the Spanish galleons and the Portuguese galleons were kind of going out and they were insuring them. And they, in the beginning, it was, we're going to give insurance to the industry. But after a while, they figured out, hey, that captain or that caravan route person gets there and back with pretty much all their stuff. And this other person here is less reliable. And so they began kind of tuning it to them. Here we are today with the abil- uh, ability through IoT and so many other things to add devices and monitoring my health in monitoring my driving and monitoring my um, uh, diet, like in, in all these other ways. 
And my wife just recently was talking to me about, you know, if we went, our insurance people have been talking to her, you know, if you put this on your car, and she loves it because she hardly drives at all, um, not far, and it would greatly reduce our insurance. I'm not as um, committed to all the rules of the road as she is, and so I don't know how it would benefit me. Um, but I'm curious, as you th- as you're in this industry, and I know this isn't exactly what, um, I don't believe it's exactly what One Inc. does, but as you think about this and these conversations are coming around you, as a technologist, how do you think about, I need enough data to where I can um, I can create the most value for my constituents while at the same time, uh, and reducing their costs while reducing risk for my organization without compromising their privacy or their security. How do we make sure? Because that would seem to me that'd be pretty important data um, to keep protected. It's almost like you're moving into HIPAA territory now. Yeah. I So we deal only with you know, uh, PCI, the payment card industry, right. and being certified and making sure that we're protecting all of that type of data at rest, in transit, et cetera. Right. And that is super critical and one of the i think one of the benefits of our solution is we take that off of the shoulders of the insurance carriers so we none of that data traverses their their location and also it's core to our business is protecting the security of at least that information right um you know it's it's a tough balance Mm. it's um one of the things that i think is interesting is when you go to return something how nice is it that they can just um scan the the item and it goes, or you give them the credit card, they right. can look up that original transaction. Yes. It goes right back on the card. You don't yes. have to have a receipt. Right. Well, with changes in, you know, protection mm-hmm. of that data, it it's a little bit, so consumers want that convenience, but then they don't want the card to be stored. And so we're, we just finished a huge project to tokenize all of our card data, hmm. um, network tokens, mm-hmm. which allows the, it to be reused. Mm-hmm. So it's not a single use token. For it's people a who aren't token. familiar with network token, can you help them understand what that is? It basically, it's um, it's an algorithm that converts the credit card number. So you send the transaction, we verify that you have funds um, with the issuing bank, it right. comes back through the you know Visa or MasterCard right. network, we get a token back, we save the token. So now we don't have that card data, and then that same token can get reused. Right. So it's it's better, it's more efficient. You can do right. a refund. You can do a tr- you know you can um, you know cancel that sale. Right. And it's it gives some continuity in the transaction. Right. Um, but it also creates a much more. It's not hackable. You right. can't do anything with it. Um, I think it's similar a little bit to kind of the biometrics as opposed to a password. Sure. That. You've got a biometric scan of your eye or your face or your thumb, right. which is super unique, and right. and that you know at least at least not yet right. we haven't gotten quantum computing yeah. quite where it needs to be yet, <laughs> but those are really difficult algorithms to break, and right. so the token is a really difficult algorithm to break. So we so at least in the in terms of payment, yeah, um, we've got a secure. Uh, plan in place. Is the industry embracing of that? Do you find, I guess where I'm going is, or one of the things I'm thinking of is in my world, you, there are people that are, and I don't mean um, necessarily their uh, genetic or biological age. I just mean their embracing of, if they're of a culture that is a technology mindset that is older as opposed to a cultural mindset that is uh, more embracing of, look, let's figure out how we make this faster 
easier, still protect it. Like we're not giving up on protection, but let's embrace innovation as it comes. And sometimes we, we innovate a little bit too quick and we don't have all the systems support it. So let's pull it back or whatever. Um, but there are industries that have been doing these things for hundreds of years, for millennia. And I'm, is, is it still resistant or do you just bypass all of that? Look, if you don't want to move forward, don't move forward. But this, the industry is going to move forward because consumers are moving forward. And um, we're, you know, we're going to enable those consumers that want to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, um, real-time payments, faster payments, um, getting money into people's hands, closing the loop on the whole transaction, protecting all the data as it moves around the ecosystem is is very central to what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it is absolutely essential um, for the whole in- insurance industry and fintechs in general to continue to use technology in a very responsible way, mm-hmm. gather the data, provide the best possible consumer experience, the best products and services using that data at the same time balancing privacy. Mm-hmm. So there's some trade-offs. Mm-hmm. You want your data to be safe, but you want the convenience of being able to return something with just the card. Right. Um, and I, I, you know, it's exciting. There's so many players innovating in the space. But the one thing, at least in insurance, that we're all united around is how to accelerate from crisis to to giving people what they need to mm. to take care of themselves. And there's a bunch of different players that are all trying to shorten, you know, like the adjuster, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to upload, you know, pictures mm-hmm. and getting um, a digital estimate, you know, an estimate real time, digitized back, get it approved quickly. Anything that can accelerate the capture of the loss, mm-hmm. um, the approval process, how do we accelerate that, the payment of the claims, and then getting information back to the carrier that 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 claim w- that payment was accepted and it's been redeemed, I think closing the loop that also makes the loop shorter and there's less opportunities for people to in- bad actors to be inserted in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, if that all happens within seconds, minutes, a few hours, um, the faster we can make it and the more we can we can close the loop on that transaction, then we know the money got to the person that needed to get it and. And that that loop is secure, right. and that's just. I mean, I, I'm usually thinking of the the um, you know the person who's who's got the relationship with the insurance company, but also the people they're they're taking their. Um, I'm sure you've said this already, but I'm going to this shop to or this builder or whatever to get this thing done. One of the things I know for most of those businesses are small businesses, mm-hmm. and to have cash flow um, to do that. Yeah, as you're talking. I am imagining a day, it's probably already happening, I haven't seen evidence of it, but I, I deploy drones to a, a, cata- a catastrophic site. Absolutely. And they are recording mm-hmm. what, you know, and here I'm GPS located. And that's so already happening. I'm sure. Yeah, so I'm is. GPS yeah. recording the damage and mm-hmm. whatever. And then I'm uploading that to the cloud. And then AI is coming along and doing an evaluation. Here's their property. Here's how much of the structure is left. Here are the things. I'm doing a quick estimate. I'm prioritizing almost like a triage. I'm prioritizing for the for the folks that have to deploy people, deploy assets, repay money, mm-hmm. quick emergency, po- like, look, we know it's going to be, a, well, I'll pick a number, 50 grand. So let's get 12 right now. Like, that's just part of the thing. And my tools 
I've just hit the go button and they've gone out there and they've done this stuff. While people aren't, they, you're not taking the time to record stuff. You're trying to find your phone or your cat or your loved one or right. whatever. And so the technology is working on your behalf to get that first impression and to get things going. Right. Um, you I, need money for a hotel room. Something. Or groceries or right. gas, whatever, whatever you need. Right. But yeah, that, and it's interesting that you mentioned the drones. That was one of the, um, at the ITC conference last year, mm. the insurance you know, yeah. the big insurance conference and all the technology companies were there. And, and that actually was, that was a really fascinating uh, company that I stopped by and, and watched with there. And they are using drones to, to digitize those images and then, and, and get those in the hands of the adjusters as quickly as possible. They terrify me because of how they can be misused yeah. and they excite me. One of the most exciting things I've seen, I'm a big motocross guy and I love to watch them following the races right now. It would be where my wife is rolling her eyes, but, it, but, in, you can, farmers are using them to herd, um, to find, they can go up and they can use thermal imagery to find uh, animals that have wandered off. And they can, instead of having to uh, spend their time trying to find something, they can immediately direct their, like in so many ways, if ethically applied, they can help our lives. I just, so I've bought one. They are not easy for this knucklehead to fly. Um, at least that's been my excuse so far. Why I keep ending up in my neighbor's yard? But I, they are. Um, but they're the the value that they can bring to us. There's we've interviewed a number of people that are around robotics. Jeff Smith is getting ready to be released. He's head of underwater robotics for Saab, um, and he and Eric Hinnerman, a number guy, another guy in this space, they take these tools, whether they're drones or robots or uh, autonomous vehicles, and they put them in dirty, dangerous, and dull areas. I can send that drone in or whatever, later a robot in, to call this hazardous area, taking pictures, searching for rescue. Like there's so many things that can be done with that in just a few minutes that doesn't complicate things for human beings. Mm -hmm. So long as you've got the AI and the systems on the back end to help it to do the evaluation quickly. It's phenomenal. As long as the Terminator doesn't come into being and they don't chase us down, I think it's phenomenal. But it's cool to see the insurance agency, um, the insurance business, looking to see how can we do this so that we can help our constituents. And then it's got to help drive our costs down. If you're if you're reducing wastes, mm -hmm. not only are you increasing accuracy, but it's got to reduce. I hope it reduces my costs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. We don't uh, we don't get paid for sending out checks, but they're really expensive. Yeah, they're expensive for everybody to send out. Yeah, um, and think of all the times you got to reissue them because they they do get lost in the mail. Yeah. So. Well, I know this has been abbreviated conversation. Yeah. Our yeah. real life has uh, interfered. What have we not talked about that we should have already? Being that you know we're home of the world champion Atlanta Braves and the National Collegiate. Football team. Well, you're tech, so I guess I shouldn't talk about the Bulldogs. That's okay. I, I, there. It's it's a home team. It's a state team. Got to got to support them. Yeah. Uh, and I have too many friends that are Bulldog fans. So. Yeah. Well, tech hasn't beat us up in a while, so we have uh, empathy for them. Yeah. Um, what haven't we talked about that we should have, or have we covered enough today to do our audience justice? Yeah, I think the only other thing that I would say, and you were talking about giving parenting advice. So uh, with your three girls, yes. um, I'll leave you with this, with this piece of advice that you can share with them. Okay. One of the greatest things that they can do for themselves in whatever company or whatever business or industry they're in 
and I and I would say this for for anyone, but particularly for women, is mm-hmm. they need to find an advocate for them in their company and outside. People that can give them good advice, advocate for them when they're not in the room, um, help them, you know, grow their career, understand what their blind spots are, and and women in general need to get comfortable with kind of bragging about how good they are. Right. Um, and so encourage them. And they also, they, I read an article that said the most influential person in a, in a young woman's life yeah. in, in her pursuing a STEM career in particular, which mm-hmm. is of course what I want every woman to, sure. to be involved in is her dad. Yeah. So um, encourage them and um, encourage them to have an inside mentor yeah. So that uh, they've always got advocates both on the inside and the outside. I have firsthand experience, not just from articles where I stand at six foot three, mm-hmm. 200 and something pounds in front of the mirror and say, um, ne- closer to 60 than I am to 50, my wife is lucky. My wife is beautiful, <laughs> absolutely beautiful. And when she stands in front of the mirror, all she does is critique herself. Her husband doesn't, the people around her don't. And it breaks my heart. And I have, in my experience, it is doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter. There's, unless it's a lesson that you're taught and learn, the sort of the go-to, whether it's biology or culture, whatever the combination of things are, that's generally true of men in my experience and generally true of women. I've been so surprised by so many confident and able and amazing women that their internal talk is so much different. Not that we don't all have to deal with the lies and the imposter and whatever the battle, right? But they they don't. The challenge that I have with my daughters, um, they're going to get irritated with me talking about them, is to persuade them in their need to find um, an advocate and, and how to measure what that would look like. Not everybody who wants to be your advocate is somebody that you should uh, trust your heart and your mind to. What does it look like? What is, what is this person, um, um, how, you know, what, what gives them not only the ability to give you advice, but how can you measure whether they're, they're qualified to do that? And um, I don't know if it's just a thing with girls, that's my only experience, or girls mm-hmm. or guys, but that I wish that was um, advice. My parents tried to uh, capture my imagination in that way, and I refused to listen to them. So to escape authority, I got my GED and joined the Airborne Infantry. They're still laughing at that. Now you escaped authority, all right. But it, um, yes, I would agree for women in particular, and and for these young ladies. Get an advocate. I wish firms would. In fact, I think now that I, we, our chief people officer here, um, Sheila Montgomery, woman, mm-hmm. um, new to the position, she's never been in that role. And when we found out she was going to go into that role in January of this year, we were so excited because she has been in our company for a long time. I want to say uh, 16 years now, but she's been in STEM. I'm not going to say how many years she'd get mad at me, but for a while in multiple cultures. And so she brings this experience, and one of the things she is very aware of is the need to have regular conversations. So we have a women in leadership group within our company. We have other groups, and they're not against men. That's what a lot of people misunderstand. There's nothing but love. Like there's great relationships there. We're all in this together, but they know these particular groups normally don't form a group for themselves. They don't 
tell each other why they need an advocate and how to determine who that is, or even to be willing to be an advocate. You are eminently qualified to be somebody like that. I, I think it only, so that's great advice. It's a great reminder. I think it only blesses all of us to do that. So. Agreed. Agreed. Elizabeth, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank Again, you. I can't wait till our fourth time. I'm going to come up with some new cool stuff to talk about. Hopefully it's the same company, but if it's not, if it's at Tesla, I don't mind. Oh, I don't either. They're <laughs> opening up a service center right around the corner from my house. Uh, it's going to Tesla make it really or Porsche, yeah. I'm, I'm all in. Thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And if you've enjoyed the show, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. We'll see you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Later. <laughs>